Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Strikes, Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson and Bill Rowland. Welcome into another edition of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. I'm Price Atkinson, and he is my man, Bill Rowland, as we are coming to you this week, getting you ready for the second installment of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy. Appreciate everybody subscribing, downloading, and especially listening here this week as it's a big week in Service Academy football, as it always is when two of these three teams get together, Bill. We're going to talk about that game. We're going to recap Navy's win from last Friday out in Tulsa. Uh, we're going to do our um, Travis Manning Foundation honor roll segment where we honor and remember a fallen hero. We're going to give our proverbial game balls and we're just going to talk all things Service Academy football. But make sure you download, listen, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, just search Yards and Stripes. Give us a review while you're there. Uh, but Spreaker, Google Podcast, I mean, there's all kinds of places wherever you get your podcast, Bill. That is where you can find us. I knew I would be sailing and soaring into this episode. Episode, Bill, not because I got my uh, booster shot yesterday and I've been kicked down a couple pegs, but the Braves World Series World Champions win. I'm, I'm, I'm still floating. As bad as I feel from a booster shot, I'm floating, man. <laughs> What's going on? Well, I'm, I was very happy for you uh, again, as most everybody else in baseball, probably outside of Houston and other parts of Texas. I think everybody was rooting for Atlanta just because we're all very tired of Houston. So I was very happy for you, and I've got a lot of friends down there, know a lot of people in the media industry in Atlanta, so I was happy for those guys as well. Uh, so, yeah, fun time, and, uh, you know, it went six. That's that's all you can ask. I like any time. If my team's not in it, I want it to go as long as possible just so I can have more baseball to watch. So it's a little disappointed we didn't get a game seven, but if that means that the, the Braves win and Houston doesn't, that's fine with me. My only hope is still I get the Braves Red Sox World Series one day. I think hopefully while I'm still here, God willing and upright, erect and breathing, I'm hoping I will get to see a Red Sox Braves World Series one of these days just because how much I like both teams. Certainly Braves are my are my passion, but really, really have always liked the Red Sox and certainly having their double A team right here in Greenville or yeah. their high A team right here in uh, in Greenville, South Carolina, the Greenville Drive. All right. Enough baseball, Bill. We got a bunch we're going to do this week let's go ahead and get to our one recap this air force and army were off last weekend bill navy the midshipmen a friday night lights tilt at tulsa in the midshipmen they get another win two and six now on the season two and four in the american athletic 20 to 17 over tulsa now three and five are the golden hurricane two and two in the american athletic navy gets their first road win of the season snapping a three-game losing streak while tulsa in the process they have a two-game win streak snapped an impressive road win on you know whenever you go on the road Road in conference, Bill. I don't care where it is you go. You, you're they're no they're no easy wins. Um, and I think one of the things that I hear Nick Saban talk about is you know you got to respect winning. And I'm not trying to go Saban and, and and quote you know police here, but you know it's a hard thing to do, especially when you're struggling. Like Navy has been struggling, and Coach Niamatololo and that staff kind of keeping them on the rails. You know, playing Cincinnati tough, and then you go out to Tulsa. And I thought the key moment in this game, Bill, get your thoughts here. But you know, in a game, uh, Anthony Watkins returns a kickoff, 97 yards for a touchdown to start the second quarter. You know, Navy has been a victim of special teams errors, miscues, whatever you want to call it this year, big plays, and instead of wilting and not answering the call. Navy 
Navy did just that. They answered the call when Tulsa grabbed momentum. They went on a 10-play, 75-yard drive uh, that took off 544 off the clock, capped by James Harris' second one-yard touchdown run with nine minutes left in the second quarter. To me, that was the biggest moment in this game where Tulsa could have grabbed full momentum and taken control. They didn't. Navy answered with a, a solid drive directed by Ty Lavatai. Yeah, no question. And, and, and that was in, in following and watching that game when they came out, again, the second half kickoff, and Tulsa takes it all the way back. You just went, oh, not again, not again. We've seen this all year with this team. And then they marched down, take back momentum, nice, good, solid drive, as you said, 10 plays, 75 yards. And we had talked to Pete Medhurst, their play-by-play guy, last week prior to this game. And we had all three of us were like, you know what, this – even though they're a 10-point underdog, this is a very winnable game for Navy, the way they've been playing, the way they've been able to get themselves and pick themselves up off the mat from the early season. I mean, nobody's remembering now uh, how bad it was at the beginning of the year. Uh, what was it, SMU that they started out against, and then uh, and then the, the Air Force game was rock bottom for this team. After the end that they had to the, the 2020 season and the beginning of 2021, for them to come out now – and really have established themselves as a tough out. I mean, just ask Cincinnati, ask Houston, ask all these teams that they've played over the past four or five weeks. This is once again that Navy team where you go, oh, we got to deal with this for 60 minutes. We're going to have to be disciplined on defense because if we're not, they're going to burn you. And it's just for Tulsa, it was death by a thousand cuts because Navy just ground them down and held the ball long enough. And then, uh, another big play, the 46-yard field goal late in the fourth yep. quarter. That's a huge. huge play to make it a 10-point game at that point because that ended up being the winning margin. And a lot of times, service academies, let's face it, college football teams for the most part, don't have great kickers. And he, yeah. he drilled that one from 46, uh, and that gave him the, the, the nice cushion. So, yeah, I'm very, very pleased with the, not only winning, but just the way that Navy has played. We keep saying it over the past, what, four, five, six weeks. They've been right where we expected them to be. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, when I said that earlier, you know, I uh, I said start of the second quarter. That was my fault. It was the start of the second half. Right. So my fault. I You corrected me, which I'm glad you did. Um, you know, but then, you know, another moment in the game, I, I, dead right. I mean, B.J. Nichols, it, you know, has been a, a stalwart at kicker for Navy, you know, since, you know, he became the full-time kicker really as a freshman. Um he has been one of the the best kickers I, I can remember in school history. Um, you know, he, he game-winning kicks, you know, bowl games. You know, he's been in the spotlight really, you know, since he was a youngster. Um, you know, but Ty Lavatai, game, that game-winning drive, um, you know, that he takes him on 15 plays, 80 yards, 809, um, one-yard TD run with 11.25 to go. And then you mentioned the Bijan Nichols field goal with 441. And, and Look, on the road, I, I know that's not the kind of crowd you might have at Auburn on a Friday or, you know, on a Saturday night. But still, you stand in there, man, you make a 46-yard field goal. That's what sealed the deal, clearly, is that field goal because they came back uh, and scored late. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is, I mean, you can say, well, you know, crowd and people can talk about that. Oh, he's not doing it. I don't care. Look, you sent out a lot of kickers. With nobody in the stadium, it can just be a practice on a Wednesday afternoon and ask them to kick a 46-yarder. And, yeah, most guys are going to probably make that, but there's a lot of guys that aren't going to hit that thing. They're going to kick it wide. They're going to leave it short, whatever it is. So you do it in a game, I don't care. 
as a service academy guy, as a regular college football kicker, 46-yard field goals are no joke. And uh, and he nailed it in a very, very tough spot that ended up being, again, the winning points. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we talked to Pete Medhurst last week, and I think that, you know, the I think it's clear, Labatai, I just needed to see more to be convinced, you know, just from afar. Um, I think he's he's certainly the guy. I know he, you know, 0 for 3 passing. You know, Navy didn't have a single yard through the air, but, you know, you run for 302. You don't turn it over. You play a pretty clean game for the most part, only five penalties for 45 yards. You know, you don't put the ball on the ground. Uh, you ba- You're converting basically half of your third downs it was a pretty clean game and I think so much of that goes on the leadership of Ty Lavatai I think that this game finally answered this is definitely the guy for me that that I've seen to be the quarterback of the future you know like Matt also said you know he's, he's a young guy you're kind of investing now is where you know Malcolm Perry and some of the other guys Keenan Reynolds and a few of the others came through that were three four-year starters now you're in after a couple years where you had a couple uh, seniors junior now you've invested now you're investing and this is going to be the guy you know of the future for the Navy midshipmen yeah it was exactly what you'd expect from a team running the option you don't get a single pass completion Uh, at all and still are able to they didn't dominate the game but they controlled the game and that's exactly what Navy did so that's a you know everybody's making a big deal about it I remember was watching I think it was ESPN Sports Center whoever it was and they were talking about wow you know uh, setting college football back this is you know no passes complete I'm like it doesn't matter they ran for 300 yards so if they don't complete a pass and you run for 300, odds are they're going to be in the game and most likely are going to win it if you can do that. So I, sometimes I, I, I see some of these talking heads and I just go, you, yeah. you just, you're not paying attention to how they have to win games and they shouldn't apologize for it. And they don't. I, I know Coach Ken and, and, and all those guys, they don't care what other people nope. are saying about it. But it just shows a, a, a lack of intellect and understanding that they can't drop back and throw 25 times a game because they don't have, A, it's not their style, and B, even if they decided we're not running the triple option anymore, they don't have the athletes to be able to do that. That's not a knock on them. But let's face it, you're not going to stuff a six, seven, 300-pound lineman into a submarine if you're going to the Naval Academy, right? I mean, ask, ask David Robinson about that, about how when he went to the Naval Academy, he was 6'2 when he showed up. And then he ended yeah. up being, you know, 6'9 by the time he got out of there. So you're just not going to get those athletes because they can't recruit those type of guys. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't in a plane. You know what is it? Uh, right. A lot of times these these uh, these basketball players and you know football players, you know six five and up, they're going surface uh, surface warfare. They're going you know Navy supply in yeah. Athens, Georgia. You know because they can't fit in planes, they can't fit in submarines. But you know, um, I don't know why people are still shocked and you know setting football back and shocked like when Navy doesn't complete a pass or Army doesn't complete a pass, much less even attempt to pass in a game. Forget style. These teams don't care about style points. Really, honestly, if you ask them, they don't care about selling tickets. Now, obviously, that's the administration. But when it comes to the field, all anybody cares about is results. Yep. And if that's what it takes, running the football every single down, not completing, not even attempting one, who the heck cares? I get so burned up sometimes when, like you said, setting football back or, you know, they make this big deal about it was all done over the ground, not one path. Why is anybody surprised at this point? That is right. what these teams do. So, Navy again, 20-17 to 17 over Tulsa. All right, Bill, that was our only game 
Air Force and Army had bye weeks. Let's give out our game balls. I'll let you fire first this week. All right, I'm going to actually go with the Navy captain, and we haven't talked about this guy too much this year because it's always been talking about the uh, the quarterback and everything else. But uh, but Chance Warren had a very good game against Tulsa. Ten carries, 71 yards for the 5'10 senior. He's a slot back. We don't talk about him that much. But, again, when you are able to average seven yards a carry on the ground, you get yourself into the end zone, then uh, you deserve to get a game ball, especially when you're a captain. So he's part of the leadership that has brought this team back from the depths that they were in after that Air Force loss has rallied these guys together. So I give him my game ball for this week. All right, I'm going to go my game ball, obviously staying with Navy is the only team that, that played last week. I'm going to go on the defensive side of the football with this one. Um, Johnny Hodges, seven tackles, four solo, uh, had a sack, uh, two tackles for a loss. Uh, he was everywhere in the football game. He's, you know, a guy at, at 6'2", 230 pounds, you know, out of Damascus, Maryland. Dude, a dude that you play, I mean, he's a perfect complement, in my opinion, to uh, to Diego Fago because they're big, they're strong, and, and they're fast. You know, he's quickly become that yin to the yang in that linebacking core with Diego Fago. And we seem to talk about Johnny Hodges. Uh, his name comes up every week, you know, uh, whether win or lose, he's making plays. And that's what, obviously, Brian Newberry wants in his defense, you know, as a playmaker in, in Johnny Hodges, who who switched sports, ironically, from uh, what, lacrosse, I believe he was a, a lacrosse player, and, and switched over, you know, as a midfielder in lacrosse, and now playing, obviously, linebacker, you know, in the center of that Navy defense. So I'm going to go Johnny Hodges with my game ball uh, this week as Navy, once again, 20-17 to 17, uh, over Tulsa. Alright, Bill, we got uh, some games to get to. Obviously, Navy's going to be in action at Notre Dame. We got the Service Academy showdown at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. First ever college football game that's going to be played there. Uh, we'll do our Travis Manion Foundation honor roll segment. We got a lot more to do here as we roll along. He's Bill Rowland. I am Price Atkinson here on Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment, if not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Mannion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at TravisMannion.org. Welcome back in on Yards and Stripes, everyone. Bill Rowan along with Price Atkinson. It's now time to get to the games of the week. Only two of them because, of course, Air Force and Army will be doing battle in round number two of the CIC competition to see who's going to get to keep or take back the Commanders and Chiefs trophy. That will be the second game that we preview. We got to talk first about another Navy game <laughs> against a ranked opponent. This time they're headed up to number eight Notre Dame to take on the Fighting Irish, a traditional game for Navy. They come into this one as a 21 point underdog. And I'm not going to say that 
that Navy can't win this game, Price. It's very unlikely, but you look at Notre Dame. They've played some pretty close games against what I would say is much inferior opponents to what they're used to playing. I mean, they had an overtime game. They barely beat Toledo, had them beat early on. So I'm going to give Navy a puncher's chance in this one, although I'm not confident that they'll win this game. I think they're going to give Notre Dame a bit of a scare. Yeah, you know, so many of these kids, as we know, Bill, have been, you know, over-recruited in terms of, you know, they're just a little bit small, a little bit uh, shorter, uh, not quite as fast. You know, a lot of these kids, you know, talented enough, you know, to go play some Division One football somewhere. And, you know, for whatever reason, usually somewhere in the metrics, you know, they don't get that opportunity. And so one of the reasons they do come to the Naval Academy and Army and Air Force, you know, is the opportunity to, in, in this case, uh, Navy, to play in this game, you know, to play against the top-level Division One teams to show that they are, you know, they can compete. Now, that's just the chip on the shoulder. But so many times, you know, look, Army and Air Force are what it's about, but if you ask any player on that Navy team, you know, as I used to do, you know, back in the day, spent four years there, this was the game that they had circled. You know, it was because they just weren't big enough to go D1, played an ACC school or maybe a Big Ten school or, you know, uh, one of the other Power Fives. This is the game they had circled. And I think Navy's got a lot of momentum right now. Uh, clearly, two and six is not where you want to be. They're coming off a win. Um, there have been times over the years, you know, in a, in a kind of a matchup like this where you think that it's going to be a, a bloodletting maybe with, you know, a, a top 10 Notre Dame team ranked 10th, 8th, depending on where you look, 7-1, and one, uh, and a Navy team that's struggling, although they're starting to find their footing. You know, as you mentioned, Notre Dame has played some fairly close games. Obviously, they lost at home to Cincinnati, lost at Virginia Tech. Um, Toledo wasn't a runaway. Florida State, we know, on that very first opening weekend of college football. Even North Carolina was rolling up uh, some big numbers offensively in a 10-point win. It's not the kind of juggernaut you think when you think top 10 team, Bill. I'm right there with you. I, I think this game will be a lot closer I remember going to South Bend my very first time I think it was in 2000 when Navy was in the middle of you know firing Charlie Weatherby and Rick Lance was the interim coach we had no business being on the field with him zero I mean we were awful I don't think we had won a game that that year in 2000 maybe one we had zero we had zero chance and it was basically i think a one score game going into the fourth quarter and that's what happens in this game uh navy will get up for it i think this is going to be a close one yeah and I, and that's kind of what i expect is it'll be close to about three for about three quarters and yeah. then notre dame because again they are bigger they're faster they're stronger um they're going to slowly pull away and and you know look maybe they end up covering on a late touchdown, that 21-point spread. But it's not – If pe people are going to be surprised, I think, at halftime when you look up and it's maybe a one-score game and, and Navy yep. staying in it. But, look, they've got some weapons all over the field. And the, sure. and the one guy on defense they really have to be uh, um, conscious of, Isaiah Foskey uh, for Notre Dame, already has nine sacks on the season. He's got 13-and-a-half in his career, 6'5", 260-pound D lineman. And the reason that's a problem is most of the time, probably the big power five guys that are up front, they're those monsters that are 280, 300 pounds. Well, you yep. can kind of out agile them at times. 
you're not going to out agile this guy. So you're trying to block a 6'5", 260-pound monster who can get off the ball as quick as anybody with guys that are probably, you know, 20, 25 pounds lighter than him. <laughs> yep. It's going to be a problem. if they can, They're going to have to double-team him, I imagine, all day, run away from him, whatever it is. He's going to be a problem. I don't think he'll add to his sack total because I don't think Navy's going to want to throw the ball at all. But he's the guy, if you're watching this game, keep an eye on Foskey up front. Yeah, in the in the the teams that really have given Navy a problem when it comes to like the power five and the the big boys, so to speak, or you know the defensive linemen that are big, fast, strong, but especially also in the middle, you know yeah. where they can disrupt and get through like a double team right in the dead center of Navy's line, where you take away the dive, you take away the quarterback keeper. Um, they did a pretty good job with it at Tulsa, running for over three hundred, where they had you know their big run stopper in the middle and did a nice job with him. Navy's I mean, Notre Dame's just a totally different beast, right? Um, but it, silver linings you look for, Notre Dame has been stronger against the pass than they have against the run. You know, they rank 48th in the country and giving up uh, over 136 yards a game on the ground. You know, their strength is their passing defense. Um, also in turnovers, um, plus uh, they're 7th in the country in turnovers gained and 11th in turnover margin. I it, they make the plays. They're big, fast, and they're strong all over. Where can Navy take advantage, you know, maybe find that silver lining, you know, in the run game? You know, I think that clearly you can't put the ball on the ground. And as we talk about every week, you know, you, some of your best defense when you're a service academy team is your offense, keeping the ball away and converting on third down. So Notre Dame can't make those big plays with, with Jack Cohn or those big wide receivers, those tall, fast wide receivers, Bill. Yeah, and Carolina did okay. 40 carries, I think they were at uh, 230, 220, whatever it was, yards. So they had a decent day. And, and actually, Sam Howell, their quarterback, was their leading rusher. So that bodes well uh, for Navy being able to run the football. Um, but on the other side, they stayed in because Carolina also threw for 341 yards. Yeah. Navy ain't doing that. Um, no. So they're going to have to definitely uh, play keep away. You know, Carolina's got a big, strong quarterback in Howell. They've got good receivers everywhere. They And they still couldn't keep up with, with Navy. One of the reasons was Kyron Williams was, uh, excuse me, couldn't keep up with Notre Dame. Uh, one of the reasons was Kyron Williams, who 22 carries, 204 yards, and his electric 91-yard touchdown run in that game was a thing of beauty, especially if you're mm -hmm. obviously a Notre Dame fan. So that's the guy... I know Cohen's going to do his stuff under center. He's fine, but he's not the guy that's going to make this Fighting Irish offense go. It's all about Williams. Navy has to find a way to slow him down. Mm -hmm. if, if he gets 200 yards against against Navy, it, it's a wrap at that point. Well, and the other thing, too, I'll say, Bill, is, is Ken Niamatololo has, you know, game-planned, had success against Notre Dame over the years. He's beaten, you know, when, when Navy hadn't beaten Notre Dame in, in seemingly forever, you know, he's beaten Notre Dame three times, and he's lost four other games to Notre Dame by 10 points or less. So you're talking over half the times they play, they've either won or basically played this thing, you know, to almost a one-possession game in, what, 12 career meetings against the Irish. So... 
I think the Navy will come up with something. You know, they're not going to put all their cards on the table. We know that because, you know, that's going to be for Army in that very last game of the season. But they're going to come up with some kind of wrinkle to try and offset and slow Notre Dame. And I think, like you said, I think it's going to be close. I think in the end, Notre Dame is going to win out. But I think Navy is going to cover the 21 points for sure that Notre Dame, at last check that I saw, is favored by. Yeah, it's 21-point 20, line, which, again, you think about it, just a couple weeks ago, it was 28 against Cincinnati. And yeah. obviously, Navy covered that. So there's there's a little bit of respect. I know that, you know, Notre Dame isn't number two in the country or whatever Cincinnati was at the time. But still, a lot of people, because they're so popular, throw a lot of money at Notre Dame. And this thing opened at 22 in some places, 21 and a half in others. And it's come down, which means money coming in uh, for Navy. So that's a lot of respect. People are starting to understand that, that Navy's kind of got this thing turned around. So, All right, let's hop down to the game of the weekend, Bill, shall we? Air Force and Army, 1130 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on CBS. Big, The main CBS network, obviously, a globe life field in Arlington. First ever college football game that's going to be played there at the home of the Texas Rangers. Air Force giving up two and a half points as these teams going to do battle for in the second leg of the Commander chief trophy an air force win in this one that would bring the trophy back home to colorado springs while an army win would set up a winner to basically a winner take all situation in the army navy game if army Na- or army were to win that game then they would obviously win it outright so just to let everybody know if it's a tie if everybody splits basically one 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 you know one and one against each other the trophy stays uh with the team that won it last year which obviously was army so as we get ready for this one, Bill, boy, just like last year and the year before, this one has me jazzed because two teams, obviously the top two rushing teams in the country and two teams that play sneaky good defense. Maybe sneaky's not even the word for it. I know somebody will say, well, how can you play sneaky good defense when you gave up some 70 some points in a basketball game to Wake Forest last or two weeks ago? Yeah, I hear you. Um, Wake Forest plays pretty good defense too. I think this is going to be everything that's advertised. The interesting thing is it's a neutral site game. Only the fourth time these teams have ever played out on a neutral site. One, one and one is the overall record on neutral sites. And it's this year, Air Force will be the home team. And next year, they're going to go back to the same venue and play again for a second year of a two year contract. And then Army will be the home team next year. But boy, man, this one gets me jazz, Bill Rowland. Yeah, it should be a good one. And as you mentioned, Army basically has two shots at keeping the trophy because if they win, if they win this week, they've got it right. So, you know, it's done and done because even if they lose to Navy, they still keep the trophy because it's one, one and one. Now they'd like to go two and oh, but they've got the, they've got two ways to do it. They win this week. They can still lose to Navy. So it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. I'm sure they'd love to sweep it and, and just keep it on its own. As far as air force goes, uh, Look, they went in and, and, and hammered Navy when Navy wasn't very good. I would love to see a rematch considering where Navy is now because I don't think it would be nearly as lopsided as it was. Uh, and, and Navy's, I mean, uh, Air Force is still playing pretty good football despite the, the couple losses they've had. They're still, they're still playing pretty well. Uh, San Diego State's a pretty good football team that they yeah. lost to last time out. So my question is, and if you're Air Force and, and you've looked at it, Who's going to be quarterback for Army? Because they've got three different guys that they can basically use and have used in a variety of ways. 
We know Christian Anderson at the beginning of the year. He was the guy that was running the show. He was doing a fantastic job. 23, uh, excuse me, 236 yards on 15 carries versus Miami of Ohio. And then he was hurt and was out for a couple games, which, by the way, Army did not win. He ended up returning against Wake Forest, but he only had one pass attempt. He completed it. And only one rushing attempt. So he wasn't used a ton. It was kind of like they're easing their way back in. Then you've got uh, uh, Tyler, who's who's been the guy against Wake Forest, 15 carries, 101 yards, did all those things, but he doesn't throw. He's not their yeah. quarterback that's going to drop back. That's Jabari Lewis, who is 9 of 11 for 140 yards and three touchdowns against Wake Forest, 5 of 6, 87 yards against Wisconsin, but he has 18 carries for 12 total yards on the year. So who's it going to be? Yeah. Who are you running with, Price? If you're the coach of Army, if you're Munkin, who's under center against Air Force? Let's hear what Air Force head coach Troy Calhoun had to say about Army's swath of quarterbacks that could be used on Saturday. You know, they're all going to run their offense. Each one does have maybe a little bit of variation in terms of, you know, some things that they do. You know, I think the other part that's happened is, you know, this year they, they've been effective throwing the football, really effective throwing the football. So I think those are some things, at least in practice, you know, that we got to make sure we're, we're spot on. All right, that was Troy Calhoun on Army's quarterback situation. The big news this week is both Air Force starter Hazik Daniels and Christian Anderson, uh, the former Army starter, they have been practicing since leaving their last games before the bye week with injuries. But as we know, practicing and being game ready are two different things. You know, what does practicing mean? Does that mean running? And if you got a bad hamstring, does that mention, does that mean like just jogging, you know, on the sideline? Well, I mean, what, practicing can mean a lot of different things. You know, you mentioned uh, the Commander-in-Chief trophy, Bill. Uh, let's hear from Jeff Munkin real quick on excited on this first installment of a CIC game for them this season. We're just excited about this game and the opportunity. The CIC games are such, are such big rivalry games. The opportunity to play for a highly coveted trophy and and to be able to play a rivalry game so our guys are excited and, and we, we certainly all are I think everybody here at the Academy is is fired up about about this week's game and it's going to be a tough battle they've got a good football team and and so uh, it, uh, it's going to take a great effort. And it'll take a great effort, especially uh, under center by both offenses that know each other so well. Let's listen to Jeff Munkin again about the chance to defend that CIC trophy as they will have this game, obviously, and then the Army-Navy game wins in both would be enough to clinch that trophy again outright, Bill. Oh, the Commander-in-Chief's trophy is uh, – that, that is a source of pride for our program to have it here and to have had it here a few times in the last four years is a tremendous source of pride for us. And we know that the other academies play as hard as they can to try to capture that trophy as well. So it means a lot to us. I know it means a lot to our players, to this academy, to the United States Army who we represent. The bottom line is it's just, it's one game. It's a one game season and we've got to do a great job of of executing and, and defending the trophy. Well, Bill, that's going to be all about, as, as you and I, I think we can agree, the quarterbacks because they're the, they're the one that pull the strings in these offenses. And Hazi Daniels, I think, has started 14 straight going back to last year. What the heck is Army going to do? To me, this one is all about the quarterback play. Who are you starting? That's the question I asked you, Price. If you're Munkin, is it Anderson? 
Is it uh, is it Tyler? Is it Jabari Lewis? Who are you going to start? Well, Ty here, Tyler was thought to kind of be maybe the second guy behind Anderson when the season started. Clearly, Anderson's going to start if he's good enough to go. I think he's going to try and give it a go, but who knows? I mean, he's been banged up. So I personally think that maybe Jabari Lewis gets the call after what he did in the last game, 9 of 11, 140 yards passing. You know, he ran for a touchdown of 54 yards. I, I think that Jabari Lewis, to me, my gut says if Anderson cannot go, I think Lewis will be the guy under center. Although with Jeff Munkin, you never know. I could see Tyher Tyler being the guy under center, but I think Anderson is going to be the one. If he's healthy enough, he'll be the quarterback. If not him, I think it'll be Jabari Lewis. Yeah, the thing is with Lewis, though, you kind of tip your hand a little. Well, I guess I actually should say with Tyler, you tip your hand that you're not throwing the ball. Because he's not a guy that's going to drop back, or he hasn't been very successful in dropping back. Not nearly as successful as Lewis has been. So that's the only problem that I think Army has if they're going to do this three-way shuffle at quarterback is you kind of know, okay, if if Tyler's in the game, you don't have to necessarily sell out for the pass. If Lewis is there, you got to be a little bit more cautious about what they're doing mm-hmm. with the wide receivers and, and sending guys into patterns. So. The 50th season of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy competition. Here's what Troy Calhoun, the head coach at Air Force, said, you know, about just, uh, you know, the different tones that these academy games have. Well, I think you got one more chance to play a game, a service academy game, right? And, uh, you know, and how much those uh, those do take on, I think, a, a different tone and their own entity. Not that every game's not, because it is. But, um, golly, I mean, just... You know, you get a chance to play against somebody that who knows, you know, in five years from now or 15 years from now, you might actually be co-located somewhere that may not be within the United States either. Yeah, interesting perspective from Troy Calhoun. Let's stay with the Falcons and hear from standout senior defensive tackle Jordan Jackson on just trying to keep the focus on this one game, although it is a big one for that commander-in-chief trophy. Focus. That goes back to the losses we took this season. It's uh, Don't let those bring us down. It's a whole new week, and there's a championship to be won this week. So uh, definitely focus, uh, mentality, physicality, uh, violent, and just go out there and try to win a game. All right, that was Jordan Jackson and, and Bill. The, the one thing these teams have in common uh, clearly is coming off the bye week, you know, and, you know, you usually want to focus a lot of times that first week on the bye week of just doing what you do. Fundamentals, most teams are that way. And then you use that second week, you know, obviously for all your game prep. You know, teams, this is the thing I always find interesting, fascinating between these service academy matchups is, you know, you know each other so well. Most of the time you've recruited most all the same kids to a degree. I mean, you play them every single year. The coaching staffs know each other so well. You do similar things in terms of scheme. Defensively, it's going to be a little bit different. You might have different looks offensively, but you just know each other so well. So what are the wrinkles? What is maybe the one player or two we might see? Is the team going to come out in the shotgun, you know, and try and run something like that, something that might be vastly different? What are the different wrinkles that each team might employ? Or are they just going to try and go straight up mano a mano? We do what we do, and let's see if you can beat us yeah i would imagine there's not going to be too much done there might be a wrinkle maybe you have a trick play here or there like you said i can't imagine that either one of these teams especially where they are uh, in their season are are suddenly going to revamp and come out and do entirely different stuff i think you'll see again a trick play here or there but for the most part i think both of them are going to say hey look this is what we do 
This is who we are. You know it. We know it. Everybody in the arena, you know, in the stadium knows it. But this is this is how it's going to be. This is what we do. All right, let's hear from Jeff Munkin on their bye week, what they did at Army uh, going into this game. Both teams clearly coming off a loss going into their bye week, now trying to get that taste of victory Saturday. I think the most important thing we can do is play good, sound, fundamental football. We're not going to come up with a bunch of new plays or new defenses or any of that stuff. The players we have are the players we have, and the schemes that we execute are, are the ones that we feel are best. So... We've got to, to practice those things and try to execute them very well. That's what will win the game for us. And here's Jordan Jackson, the Air Force senior defensive tackle, on what the bye week did to help them after that loss against San Diego State. I think it's just, it was just good to grow. I think this bye week definitely helped us in a way that we need, especially midway through the season, um, learning that we're a good team, that when we don't make mistakes, we win games. When we make mistakes, we lose games. So uh, being able to have that bye week, especially when it was, I think it definitely helped us. And I want to know one thing that can help Air Force Bill on Saturday is to get Brad Roberts going early and often because, you know, he struggled, only had, I think, what, seven carries against the Aztecs. I mean, they were loaded up eight guys in the box to start and just kept adding a guy. You know, he never had a chance to get going. Air Force is clearly at their best when Brad Roberts is going at fullback. Yeah, and they asked him uh, during the press conference uh, this week leading up to this game how he was feeling because he's mm -hmm. taken a lot of hits. I mean, we talk about it every single week that this guy's turning out 20, 25 carries. It's, it's a different look for him than it is for other people, whether it's at Navy, whether it's at Army, where they kind of spread it around. They don't have one guy that's getting a bulk of their carries. Well, he's that guy for Air Force, and he said – yeah, I feel good. The bye week came at a good time. I'm ready to go. I mean, he was asked two or three times, how are you feeling? How's the mm -hmm. health? And he repeatedly, and again, he's not going to say, yeah, my, you know, my hamstring still, he's not going to do that because that's not what these guys do. But it was good to see him kind of smile knowingly and say, yeah, you know what? You can kind of read between the lines in the last couple of weeks he's been banged up, but now he's had the rest. He feels pretty good. So I think, I think Army's going to get a full dose of Brad Roberts coming up on Saturday. I do, too, and I thought it was interesting listening to uh, Jeff Munkin as well talk about, uh, you know, every year is clearly different. I mean, can you really take momentum from one year to the next in terms of, you know, a win over opponent? And, and I'm with him. I don't think he can. I think he should certainly take momentum from, you know, being the service academy team, which I think Army clearly still is, having won the Commander-in-Chief trophy last year. You know, Army wins 10-7 last year, getting an early field goal, and then Air Force missing, uh, you know, two field goals before um, it's sealed late in the game. But a COVID, certainly in a COVID year, I think it's, you know, it's clearly, um, you know, nobody's going to take anything from a COVID year. Let's hear what Jeff Munkin said um, in terms of, is there any kind of carryover from that win last year that Army got over the Falcons? I don't know that there's a lot of carryover. In these games, they, they are such a heated rivalry and such an emotional game that guys are able to put whatever happened the year before behind them and really try to focus on this year's game. And, that, and that's that's true for our team. Our guys know that what happened last year has nothing to do with this coming Saturday. We're going to have to uh, to play our very best football and give ourselves a chance to win. All right, Bill, let's uh, we'll put a bow on this thing uh, real quick here. But, you know, like we're talking about, what's what's what makes the difference on on Saturday? Air Force is one or Army's won three out of four. They the last three games have been decided by four points or less. 
is it Air Force's defense, which might be a little bit better, um, you know, than the Army defense? They're ranked first in the Mountain West, third in uh, NCAA in, in total yards allowed, 281. Uh, Air Force is uh, seventh in the country in scoring defense, 13 in rush defense. Is that it? Or what I think might be the ultimate difference is special teams in this game. Because when you are so closely matched, to me, that, that outlier or that equalizer whatever you want to call it to me special teams is oftentimes what makes the difference like last year 10-7 air force misses a pair of field goals and that that's that's a difference yeah to me it's going to be uh is hazik daniels healthy because if he's healthy and he plays and he starts and, and of course obviously brad roberts as well but if he is able to go the entire game air force knows who their quarterback is they have yep. no questions. They know that's our guy. He's going to run stuff. That's the difference to me because I still think Army's not sure which one of those three guys is going to be best suited to play this game. They don't know if Christian Anderson is completely healthy. And then they don't know, can Jabari Lewis run their offense as well as Tyre Taylor can? I mean, so excuse me, Tyler can. So to me, Air Force has a little bit, and maybe that's the, the two-and-a-half-point favorite that they are, a little bit of an advantage knowing we know who our quarterback is, we know who our main running back is, and we got a pretty solid defense. And then I'll throw out the cliche thing as well, turnovers. Whoever yep. takes care of the football better is going to end up winning this game. Yep, Air Force does not have that experience behind Hazi Daniels where Air Force or Army has got – uh, what seems like an no pun intended stable. an army uh, yeah. yeah a stable I was gonna say an army of guys behind Christian Anderson so yeah that's definitely the thing to watch is the quarterbacks and who's trotting out there and you know even if they're both trotting out there who might finish that first quarter because you mentioned Anderson has started a couple of these last games but he hasn't played a lot one carry one pass that to me is is going to be the, the also the thing to watch as this thing kicks off again 11:30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time CBS the main network from Globe Life Field in Arlington Texas all right Bill let's step away when we come back our Travis Mannion Foundation honor roll where we honor a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice and then you and I will come back and put a bow on this one here on Yards and Stripes your home for Service Academy football. You know, this is a time on the podcast where we honor and remember a, a soldier who has given the ultimate sacrifice. And thanks so much to the pro- partnership we have with the train- Travis Mannion Foundation. Check them out online, travismannion.org, and find out how you can get involved uh, in helping out TMF. And this week, we honor a member, uh, a member of, of the United States Navy, uh, Eric F. Schellenberger, nicknamed Shelley, uh, who was born in Tampa, Florida, 1972. Uh, and gave the ultimate sacrifice while serving as a Navy SEAL on May the 7th, 2009. Uh, and Eric Schellenberger, who uh, joined the United States Marine Corps in 1991 after graduating uh, and attending the University of North Carolina on a scholarship, uh, served 
proudly for nine years, receiving several different kinds of awards and commendations from uh, the Marine Corps, including the Commendation Medal with Combat Distinguishing Service, 5C Service Deployment Ribbons while serving in Japan, Somalia, and Sudan, uh, as well as he completed Army Airborne, Army Ranger, and Combat Dive School. But in 2000, he opted to join the Navy SEALs, and he graduated as the Honor Man uh, in his buds class of 2000 or 232 uh, and he was assigned to seal team one and it was on that day in may 7th 2009 where eric lost his life uh, in a mini submarine training exercise off the coast of washington state and he proudly served as both a marine and a navy seal uh, and he bravely willing accepted the risk inherent in training and carrying out special operations missions you know as i, I mentioned you know, Eric was uh, a loving son, uh, left behind his mom, dad, stepdad, and two younger brothers, Mark and Jared, who loved uh, and looked up to him so much. And Eric was an avid sports fan uh, and loved his Philadelphia Eagles. And here's uh, some words from his mother, Rhonda Worthington, who uh, joined the um, Shane's Challenge in Guatemala in 2015 uh, with the Travis Manion Foundation and just what a little bit about her son, but also what the Travis Manion Foundation means to her and her family uh, is it's given her a way to get involved. My name is Rhonda Worthington and I'm here for my son, Eric Schellenberger. Eric was um, a special operations chief, a Navy SEAL. Um, he had several missions as a Marine in Somalia, Africa, and as a Navy SEAL, starting with the Gulf War, Iraq, and Afghanistan. I came here not knowing anyone, and I met the most amazing, courageous people, and I am so honored to be here with them. It's going to have a big effect, uh, mainly because I'm going to have a new perspective, I think, on I, just people in general just appreciating everything that everybody has to offer. The Travis Mannion Foundation is just such an amazing um, organization, first of all, to allow me to even be part of this. I would highly recommend it because I just think that it just, it just opens your eyes. It just opens your eyes and just makes everything just seem more alive and different. There are the words of Rhonda Worthington speaking about her son, Eric Schellenberger. I gave the ultimate sacrifice on May the 7th, 2009. All right, here we go. Yards and Stripes Service Academy football wrapping this one up with Bill Rowland. I'm Price Atkinson. And, Bill, um, clearly two big games is, is all the three of these teams are concerned. Navy at number 10, uh, number 8, Notre Dame, whatever rankings you want to look at. Um, obviously, Commander-in-Chief Trophy, the biggest involving Air Force and Army. Excited to see what's going to happen. I think we're going to have at least two close games. I think the Air Force Army game is going to come down to the bitter end. Uh, maybe who has the ball last. Um, and then, like you said, we talked about a little bit ago, Navy and Notre Dame, a 21-point favorite. The Irish are. I think Notre Dame's going to cover. Or I think Navy will cover. And I think, like you, it's going to be a close game going into the fourth quarter before Notre Dame pulls away by maybe, you know, 17 points, so to speak. Yeah, I could. I mean, if somebody said, hey, this is going to end up 37-20, that wouldn't surprise me in the least. I'd be like, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Uh, again, I think uh, Navy's got their hands full. Uh, more with the Notre Dame offense and their ability to run the ball 
Um, I, the, the passing, I'm, I'm sure Notre Dame is going to try to come out and hit some big plays yeah. and everything. But ultimately, again, uh, it's going to come down to Williams, the running back for Notre Dame, who is just an absolute beast. And he's a guy that, control, yeah. that can control a game um, on the ground, much like Navy is going to try to do themselves. But, uh, again, I, I don't think Navy can win this game. I give him a chance, a very slim one. But I think they're going to stick around a lot longer than, than most people think they should. I'm excited for it, Bill. I'm excited for more Service Academy football as we now make the turn into November. I think maybe next week we should do some power rankings. Uh, what do you think? Because since we'll have a really good sample size now, looking at uh, as we kind of barrel toward the last bit of the season, I think maybe we'll put some power rankings on deck uh, since we'll have had a second Commander-in-Chief trophy matchup. I think that will give us a good read. What do you think? Well, here's the easy thing. If Air Force wins, they're number <laughs> one the rest of the year because they've got the trophy and it doesn't matter at that point. Very so. true. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Although, you know, clearly that's the case. And then Navy, you know, which was an, an easy, a distant third. What if Navy strikes some fear in the hearts of Notre yeah. Dame and plays this one maybe like they did against Notre Dame, though? You know, a lot of people think are in my mind, too, which I thought Cincinnati was snubbed. I don't know what's your read real quick on the college football playoff. I thought Cincinnati got hosed, but I also knew that the college football playoff committee wasn't going to set the bar so high and have Cincinnati like second or third. They want to have room margin for error to move them up and say at the end of the year, see, you know, we believe in the in the group of five. But to me, it's just an atrocity that that Cincinnati wasn't in the top four. I think they're a clear top four team. No, they're hoping Cincinnati loses. Let's be yeah. honest. I mean, sure. again, oh, the, yeah. the committee will say, no, we don't root for anybody. We don't. No, they're hoping Cincinnati stubs their toe at some point, so then there's no argument about it. Yeah, I would have I would have probably had them four, um, maybe even three, because if you want to keep Alabama in it, I don't know how Alabama's number two when they have a loss. I would have had them at least four. But, yep. again, it's going to come down to the SEC championship game, and if Alabama wins that, clearly they should be in if they beat Georgia in that game. And then if Georgia's undefeated going into the SEC championship game, I don't know how you keep them out either because you're going to say one loss to another team that's in the top four is what keeps you out. So, unfortunately, everybody who hates the SEC, you better root for Auburn or somebody to upset Alabama or something, or you're going to get two SEC teams back in it again. I mean, that's just going to be the reality. And if you hate the Big Ten, root for Wisconsin to win it because then nobody from the Big Ten is going. So... Or pull for the Golden Gophers. Uh, row the yeah, boat. That's, maybe that's true, a, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, folks. We'll do it again next week. Uh, appreciate it, Bill. Great work, as always. Appreciate everybody downloading, listening, subscribing. Again, Apple Podcast, uh, Spreaker, uh, Google Podcast, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Just search Yards and Stripes, and you, we are your home for Service Academy football. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for being with us for this edition of Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. A reminder to find us on social media through Yards and Stripes and subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And we will catch you next time on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football.